Ladies and gentlemen, welcome into another edition of the Stampede. My name is Ryan Jones, and along with my good friends Nick Romero and Ashton Yanez, Nick is joining the podcast for some. I we talked about it, and we were kind of like three's the magic number kind of thing, and we're all good friends, and we all talk crap and talk football together all the time. So I figured, why not add a third person to the show? Plus, it just seems like I think three is better than two. And it would add more more to the conversation. Um, so yeah, Nick, why don't you just uh, kind of introduce yourself? I guess I, yeah. I mean, my name is Nicholas Romero, and I don't know if you can see in the back, but I'm a Seattle Seahawks fan. And yeah, we pretty much talk about football every time we get together. So we, I was just, you know, they asked me to be on here, and I was like, well, yeah. I mean, there's nothing else to it. We do this all the time, anyways, just for fun. So. Now I'm here. And Ashton, I I know that you think you may be getting replaced. You're not getting replaced, buddy. You don't got to worry about that. I was never worried of such things. No, I'm really happy that Nick's here. You know, as, as he said, we all basically talk on a almost daily basis. You know, we already have our group chat talking about all kinds of things that have happened this week. So we might as well have him on board. Nick, it's great to have you. Um, I, I do agree that three is better than two. Um, I don't know who, who knows how many we'll have later on or if we, you know, get bigger and have a big old studio here or something like that. But no, this is awesome. I think it's fun to actually have multiple people's inputs, especially on, uh, you know, big topics that we'll probably be seeing down the road. And uh, especially when the off season gets more active with the draft and all that, things start getting more controversial. So this should be fun. Yeah, it should be. And before we get started, a few orders of business, whatever platform you're listening to us on here at the Stampede, whether it's YouTube, Spotify, or Apple Podcast, uh, please do all you can to support us, whether that's subscribing, commenting, liking, leaving us a five-star review, um, whatever the platform you're listening on allows you to do to support us, please do so and support us. Do us a favor and do yourselves a favor So for some good, high-quality football NFL content. Uh, as well as some college uh, football when it actually happens. Um, so uh, another thing, all of our socials will be linked down below if you're watching on YouTube, Spotify, uh, Apple Podcasts. I don't know if the description is a – oh, okay, Nick. Um, Fancy. Got the light going. Fancy. Um, I looked, it, I Nick, yeah, Nick, Nick, Nick's first day on the podcast, he already has a more professional setup than Ashton and I. So. Hey, you know what? You know what? Just for that, just for that, give me a sec. Give me a second. Oh my god. That's right. No, no, yeah, no. I do not mind competing. All I have is group. So hold on, hold on. I mean, all I have is my little group. He's growing a little plant out of him. I don't know how good the lighting is. I need more though, because I don't have enough to right in the back wall. But. Why don't you do a brighter color than blue, homie? Light blue? <laughs> sure. That you know that looks kind of cool. <laughs> looks kind of cool. All right, thanks. You know what? Um so yeah, before I was so rudely interrupted by your guys's light shenanigans, um today uh we are going to be discussing JJ Watt signing with the Arizona Cardinals. It did happen happened yesterday, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, on a Monday, to, we are recording this as of Tuesday. Uh, you guys will be hearing this on a Wednesday. And as a little introduction to the podcast, we have, uh, for, for Nick, we have our three-way 
NFL mock draft. This is the fifth edition of the Stampede's mock draft. And I know it gets kind of repetitive, but trust me, there's a lot of trades in this one. And we kind of mixed it up a lot and have a lot of fun. You can hear us talk about the prospects and why we think it's a good where, you know, wherever they go is it's a good landing spot. So, all right. So let's talk about JJ Watt first. Um, he signed a two year deal with the Arizona Cardinals. I don't know what the money is, but I know it was a lot. Uh, 31.5 million. Okay. Well, first I just want to say it's somewhat interesting to see him go to the Arizona Cardinals um, some people calling him a fraud because he's not going to like a contender contender, but look at it this way. Kyler Murray's going into his third year as a starter quarterback. I, I don't know what your guys' view on Kyler Murray is as of, as of now, but after his rookie season, I viewed him as a top 10 quarterback. He's kind of fallen out of that a little bit, but I think it's year three. The game's going to slow down for him a lot more. And I think we'll see a big year three bounce. So I think he'll kind of return to that top 10-ish quarterback range. Um, it's such a rare combination for Kyler's, you know, ability to throw the ball and run the football. Um, but, you know, it's not a Kyler Murray conversation. Obviously, the quarterback playing a big part in his decision. He said that. Um, also, the familiar familiarity with the Cardinals defensive coordinator, um, the scheme fit. He fits the scheme. He's pairing up with uh, Chandler Jones and Hassan Reddick. Um I'm not as high on Hassan Reddick as the majority of the public is, and apparently neither are the Cardinals. So I expect Hassan Reddick to be cut within the few coming days um, if because he, he's not going to be – he won't be in there on third downs because you would want J.J. Watt in there. He's not as good as run defender as Chandler Jones or J.J. Watt. So Hassan Reddick could be cut, or he could – I don't think he's going to be a rotational – you know, edge rusher. He's good enough to be a starter somewhere. I don't think he's going to be a rotational guy. So I, I'm, I'm curious to hear your guys' thoughts on JJ Watt. Um, so one of y'all, give me your thoughts. Well, I guess I'll go. Oh, Nick, go ahead. Actually, you're you're, you're the you're the new guy. Um, I, I mean, the fit it works, but I don't think. You know, he wanted to go to a contender, and I just don't know if the Cardinals are. Like, I know they have a lot of star star talent, and they have a lot of big names. But as you saw last year, they kind of burned out. Well, they go eight, eight and eight. You know, they start off pretty strong. And honestly, when you go back on it, I mean, the Bills game easily could have lost that if Hopkins doesn't catch the ball. Um, against Seattle, they, Seattle was up by, like, 10 points with, like, two minutes left they should have won that game so honestly they could have been six and ten very easily so I don't know if it's a contender I don't know what other moves they have up there you know you know um uh, sleeves but I mean the fit works I guess 15 and a half million it's hard to say no to that at what is he like 32 years old 31 30, like you know 32 so I guess the money was a factor that was a thing I was thinking maybe he would go a little bit cheaper to be on a better team but i think money was a factor so i guess when you play in money and fit the cardinals were on on the top so yeah yeah i gotta agree with with nick i think money was definitely a bigger factor to jj watch decision than most of us thought but the, the only other team i really thought he had a chance of going to was the buffalo bills just because 
I thought that was really that perfect match of Buffalo needing ex- extra help on the run support on defense. And J.J. Watt, yeah, he's coming off, you know, he, he's not full-on as healthy as we like. Some even argue that he's a little bit past his prime, but he's still one of the more dominant defensive players in the NFL. And I think the skills that he still has would have really complemented the defense of the Buffalo Bills. That being said, Buffalo didn't really have a lot of money to offer. They re-signed a lot of their secondary linebackers as well. Um, they got to get ready to give Josh Allen a lot of money. So I, I think Buffalo was definitely struggling a little bit with their pockets, and I think that's why they weren't able to contend with Arizona, especially when it got late into those final three, four teams that um, J.J. Watt thought about. Um, but I think J.J. Watt, any place he went, he felt that they at least had a chance. And I think because he feels like he can help so much for Arizona – that if Arizona can just get two or three of the right pieces in the draft, they can be a contender. Uh, will they? How far will they go into the playoffs if they make the playoffs? I don't know. But for J.J. Watt to have that much faith in Kyler Murray um, kind of tells you about how special that team really is, um, even though we haven't really seen them do so well these last two seasons. Yeah, well, you know, you look at the Arizona's roster, and obviously they have a very young, talented quarterback. Um, their wide receiving core is good and young. Um, I know Larry Fitz is a free agent, but let's be honest here. He's probably going to sign there again because um, that's what he always does. And they still have D-Hop, and um, there's a chance, you know, hint, hint, hint at our mock draft. There's a chance they could draft a running back round one to pair with Kyler Murray. Um, and defensively, they have a lot of young talent. I know they're losing Patrick Peterson, a guy who – now that I'm thinking about it, I need to add to our upcoming free agency preview podcast that we're going to have next week um, that we've been planning out. Um, but they do have Byron Murphy, who's a young corner. Uh, they have Tyron Matthew, who's one of the best safeties in the NFL, right? Uh, they have Chandler Jones, one of the best edge rushers in the NFL. Oh, Tyron Matthew's not on their team anymore. Uh, they have um, – I said Tyron Matthew. I meant um, – yeah, Buda Baker. Excuse me, excuse me. I don't. I, I always associate the two of them. Yeah, you know what I meant. I meant Buda Baker. They have one of the best safeties in the NFL in Buda Baker. Um, and you add just another dominant edge rusher like J.J. Watt is to the fold. The Cardinals, and they have Isaiah Simmons from last year who, you know, can play whatever position on the field you need him to. He's basically a poor man's Jeremiah Owosu-Koromoa. Um, there's one of my draft takes. Um, but still, Isaiah Simmons is such a great player coming out of the draft um, last year. I hope that they can finally figure out how to use him. Um, so, yeah, I, I think that all around the team for Arizona is kind of coming together. The biggest question I have is the coaching staff in Arizona. I think they're talented enough to be to be the best team in their division. Uh, you go down the line, they have one of the better quarterbacks in their in their division you you know you make the argument Kyler Murray Matthew Stafford you know I think there's an argument to be had there because of Kyler's rushing ability um and I just think that Arizona just don't sleep on them next year we did this last year when Tom Brady went to the Bucks you know there's the meme if you weren't a fan at seven and eight don't be or seven and nine don't be a fan at eight and eight just I and do am I predicting they're going to make a Buccaneers leap to the Super Bowl run? I'm not going to predict that because I still think they have Green Bay, Tampa Bay, the Rams. I mean, there's three teams in their own division. All four of those teams can make the playoffs, right? So, but just 
don't be shocked if the Cardinals, you know, go 10, 6, 11, and 5 next year because this year before they kind of flamed out, they were well on their way to winning 11, 12 games. So. You guys got anything else to add? Uh, no, that was pretty much it, Ryan. I, I believe it's a time to make a little transition. I don't know if you forgot you were last in the thoughts or first or. Well, I mean, I kind of, you know, I kind of gave my, I just wanted to see if you guys had anything else you wanted to add. Um, so right now, uh, I know we're only 10 minutes in or whatever. We're going to take a short break. You guys obviously won't see it so we can get set up, uh, get the mock draft set up. We have a new format we're trying out and I, I spent, we spent, you know, as us as a team spent a lot of time on it. So I hope you guys enjoy it. Okay. So I think we should be good. Uh, it should say we're recording again and I hope everybody could see the format that we're using. Welcome to the Stampedes mock draft 5.0, a three-way mock draft that all of the three of us worked on last week. Um, it's a little dark in your room, Ashton. There you go. Um, okay, let's get started. Ashton, Ashton, you have the number one overall pick. Let's get and I'm not blowing anyone's mind. It's definitely Trevor Lawrence, quarterback of Clemson. Obviously, he's a unique talent. Um, definitely the best in this draft. Definitely the best quarterback in this draft class. And I really think under Urban Meyer, this is a guy who can even do a lot more in the NFL. He still has a lot of potential. Um, the, the only downside to him is that pass rush definitely gets him every now and then he's having a hard time seeing blitzes and twists and stuff like that. But that's something that can really be easily overcome, especially when you have, you know, a hall of fame college coach like urban Meyer, who I think will have a, one of the more smooth transitions into the NFL. I could jinx it, but I'm hoping not. I really think Jacksonville will definitely be a much better team just in regards to consistency, um, better mentally, physically, stuff like that. But this is a solid pick. Trevor's the best in the draft, so makes sense. Yeah, uh, I think both me and Nick agree on this 100%. I don't think anybody, including the Jaguars, think that – I mean, th this is what's going to happen. We all know it. Um, if that's why, that's why I think Urban Meyer went there. I mean, knowing with the number one pick, Trevor Lawrence, who – probably is the best prospect since what maybe um, Andrew Luck probably even better than him at the time I mean Urban Meyer didn't come out of you know retirement for now to say that yeah um so you know obviously not blowing anybody any anybody's mind here um let's move on to the second overall pick I believe Nick Nick has the second overall pick here we go yeah, and it's Zach. It's Zach um, uh, Wilson. I mean, there's there's other ways that the Jets could go. As you see on the bottom, we have Sam Darnold getting traded. They could not trade him, and they could not go quarterback here. They could go Justin Fields, but I just think the hype around Zach Wilson right now, his um, potential. I mean, I just think that I, I just think he's a good fit for the Jets. His, if you go watch his tape, some of the things that he does off script and just his arm talent is crazy good i mean yeah just potential honestly yeah and uh we've had for weeks i think me and ashton both now uh, ashton's a little more hesitant on it i think but um for weeks we've had 
Zach Wilson being the second quarterback off the board here. Sam Darnold being traded to the Steelers for a third-round pick. Um, they could potentially get a second-round pick for him. Um, and there's other teams that will obviously be interested in Darnold, including the Bears, the Patriots, uh, maybe the Denver Broncos, you know, other teams along that caliber. Um, I just think you have to reset if you're the Jets. And, you know, if Darnold has one good year, if you don't move on from him, then you have to pay him a, bo- a boatload of money, which takes away, you know, takes away your spending from other positions. It's the formula in the NFL now, right? You get a young quarterback and a rookie deal, load up on talent around him and win a Super Bowl. It's, you know, that, that's been the formula that's been working. So I, I am a big Zach Wilson guy. I think that the gap between him and Trevor Lawrence is closer than the gap between him and the third best quarterback, uh, whether that be Justin Fields or Trey Lance. Yeah, and I'm throwing in my opinion real quick about Zach Wilson. I definitely think he's a top three quarterback in this draft class. Um, I, I still flip and flop back and forth between him and Justin Fields. You know, I, I do think on one hand he does have more, more of what you see out of a prospective quarterback going into pro out of college. But because of his level of competition, BYU, you know, they're not in a conference. I, I wish that they had the schedule that they initially had before the pandemic started because they were expected to play – several Pac-12 and Big Ten schools. I, I really think if he was, um, you know, as successful against those teams as he's been against the teams that he's faced this past year, I would have been really sold ahead of him being the number two. But I'm still hesitant. Um, hopefully he'll impress me more when we see more scouts coming to see him, especially when B- whenever BYU has their pro day or whatever it's going to be this year because of the COVID-19 pandemic. But I still think he's a top quarterback, and it wouldn't blow me away if the Jets didn't get him or did get him. All right, moving on to the first, I think, surprise of the draft. I have whole, um, I held the cards for the Dolphins, and I decided that this was the best place for a Deshaun Watson trade. Uh, we've been talking about it for weeks now. It's the only thing that anybody's been talking about in the sports world. So I just – the reason I have Deshaun Watson getting traded to the Miami Dolphins is because I think they have the most to offer. They're the most realistic option um, they have multiple first round picks in this draft. I believe they have multiple first round picks in the next draft. So you can give all that up and you can give the Texans a franchise quarterback, potentially, potentially franchise quarterback into a Tagovailoa. And, and so, yeah, now the Houston Texans own the number three overall pick, our first trade of the mock draft. And the, I have them selecting the best wide receiver in the draft, Jamar Chase. Um, obviously, Panay Sewell was in contention here, but I just think that you're going to lose Will Fuller in free agency. You're going to lose. Um, They've lost a lot. I mean, they're losing. The, they losing. They're losing another receiver in free agency. I don't remember who is what his name is. Name escapes me. Regardless, you have a depleted receiving core now, and you need to help to all you can. You can get a potential tackle later in the rounds, and this is the, Jamar Chase, the best wide receiver prospect I have ever seen. So I'm going Jamar Chase here. Yeah, I don't think there's very much to say about it. I mean, I guess the Deshaun Watson part, I mean, you put Deshaun Watson into Miami, I they're a Super Bowl contender. I mean, their defense is for real. They're a quarterback, like a Deshaun quarterback away from it. So that, it makes sense. And just Jamar Chase is, I mean, if you watch what he did at that freaking, at the LSU, I mean, he, I didn't think he was as fast as he was. 
and then I watched tape, and he was blowing by guys. Like, I always thought he was just a contested catch, like, that type of – no, he's not. He's probably a 4-4. I wouldn't be shocked if he ran high 4-3s. He's really, really fast. So, I mean, I – and he's been getting ready for this – for the draft for an entire year now. So, I wouldn't be shocked if he's even better. Yeah, I, I like this move as well. The Texans, they definitely need to do some big changes and make some big – some type of big blockbuster offseason moves if they plan on even having a a competable franchise just within the next decade. It's such a big mess that Bill O'Brien made. So it makes sense for them to just go ahead and try and get the best players that they can get somewhere in that top 10 pick of the draft. Um, giving away to Sean Watson just makes sense, especially since, again, he does not want to play there. He's already said that two, three times. He has no plans of playing it down for Houston. Um, Dolphins and the Niners, I believe, are the top two teams in regards to um, who the Texans will talk to about making a trade, but Dolphins definitely makes sense, especially since they have the younger, more prospective quarterback that already has a year under his belt. All right, moving on. Also, I, you know, Bill O'Brien gets a lot of hate, and rightfully so. The owner for the Texans made this mess as well. He he is the probably the worst owner in sports, regardless. So let's just move on. Um, maybe we'll talk about the owner and all his antics in a future episode. Maybe maybe a shock to some people, but I believe this was Ashton's pick, really his first pick because. I mean, Trevor Lawrence is kind of like the default, right? So at number one, yeah. so Ashton, yeah, go, ahead, go ahead and give your thoughts on Kyle Pitts, the tight end uh, out of Florida to the Falcons. Yeah, this was an interesting pick. And Ryan, I like how you added those quotations to tight end because really Kyle Pitts is a really unique uh, athlete. He's definitely a freak of nature. You know, right now the closest thing that we really compare him to to anyway we're seeing in the NFL is Darren Waller because of his unique size and speed but really Kyle Pitts because he's younger because he's been dominating the way he has with his size at Florida he's definitely a top first round draft pick there's already a lot of talk saying that Kyle Pitts is going to be the highest drafted tight end since the NFL merger which was back in 1970 um, he has a lot to offer for Atlanta and I think if you're the Falcons if you're you know planning on having an offense that's going to be more run heavy especially with a head coach who was the OC of the Tennessee Titans um, you you got to have a guy who can complement both the run and pass game. His size for blocking is going to be great, and his size is even greater with his speed going downfield, being a deep threat, being basically uncoverable. And I think that's somebody that uh, Matt Ryan's going to definitely like to have, especially if he's going to be lining up with Julio Jones every play. You know, obviously a quarterback may be in play here, but in this draft we decided to go a different way. Um, look, if you're not going to go – quarterback here and you're going to stick it out with Matt Ryan for a few more years there's two ways you can go you could either load up the offense and have uh, offense score you know the, the average 35 points a game which is how the NFL kind of works this way or you compare like a, a Micah Parsons with a DeMar with a who's their linebacker um De, 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 Deion Jones Deion Deion Jones right you compare yeah, Michael Parsons Vin Beasley no Vic Beasley's not on their team anymore, Ashton. Oh, he's not? Okay. <laughs> no, I, I don't know where Vic Beasley's at. Does, the point is, they have a terrible defense, so you could either, you know, get Patrick Sertan here, Micah Parsons, or you could do what 
Um, I think a lot of the analytics community would like to happen uh, and choose Kyle Pitts. I, I love the pick, pick if you're not going to go quarterback. So. Yeah, I mean, definitely Justin Fields is in play here because he's from Georgia. I mean, it's like the hometown kid coming back. But, I mean, I've seen reports come out that the way that Matt Ryan's contract is, they can't really get out of it yet. So they're probably going to have to stick with him anyways. And why not, you know, give him Kyle Pitts? I mean, you have Calvin Ridley, you have Julio Jones, and why not just give him Kyle Pitts? I mean, he's that offense can be lethal. And as we've seen, if your defense can just be serviceable, you can make it all the way. I mean, the Chiefs, their defense, I'm not saying that they were bad, but you know that their offense is where everything's at. So as you've seen that, you know, the um, uh, NFL is kind of shifting a little bit. So, you know, given Kyle Pitts, who is probably the best playmaker in this draft, and we'll see what they can, you know, come up with. You know, I saw reports that um, some teams didn't have Kyle Pitts as their number one tight end, uh, and that's because they had him as their number one receiver. So, um, and, I mean, if you want to play him at receiver – he can easily be a receiver. He can uh, very, you'll play him very similarly to how you play a Darren Waller or an Evan Ingram who plays for the Giants right now. Um, yeah. Well, so, Mike was like Chase Claypool coming out last year. I mean, he, Chase Claypool isn't the fastest guy. Um, he's, but he's really tall. He's like a freak. And you saw him this year. He balled out this year. So, you know, I think he's kind of in that. He's not a tight end, but he is a tight end. Like I don't, we'll see how they use him, but this would be very interesting to see him on the, you know, um, uh, Falcons. He he's comparable to Chase Claypool in his size and ability to out jump people, but I mean Kyle Pitts is going to run like a four three nine probably. So yeah, he's fast. Ashton, anything you want to add on your first real draft pick before we move on to another big shock of the draft? Um, just that it, it'd be interesting to see how high Kyle Pitts goes. I really think he's a special one-of-a-kind talent, and to see to tie, a tight end go that high in the draft would definitely be historical. And best of luck to Matt Ryan, assuming he's going to once again play another year with Atlanta. All right, here's the first shock. Uh, well, not really the first shock, but one of the shocks of the mock draft we have. I don't remember who – was this your pick, Nick? Yeah, so okay. – Technically, both these picks are mine. So the Bengals was my pick, and the Panthers are my pick too, you know, later on. But I decided, since the Panthers have been calling about every quarterback that's been open, that they don't trust Teddy. And Justin Fields kind of falling into their lap, right? Like right here at five. I mean, is perfect. Like, they, I don't think they have to really give up very much to go from eight to five because the Bengals – they don't need a quarterback. They, they're, you know, they, I guess they could have went a tackle here, but, you know, they're not very needy for stuff. So I don't know if they could, if the Panthers really have to give up that much. And I just like Justin Fields here. I mean, you got DJ Moore, who's a number one. You got Robbie Anderson, who's borderline number one, number one. I mean, he, you know, he showed flashes. And you got C Mac coming out of the backfield. So, I mean, the weapons are there for him to really be good. And Matt Rule is, I think you know he showed this year he's a really good coach. So 
I like this fit. I like this fit. Not only um, do you have Matt Rule there, you have one of the best OCs in the game and Joe Brady, who's probably going to, I think next year, going to end up leaving for a head coaching job. Um, I think to make this happen, what the Panthers would have to do is give up, obviously, the eighth pick. Um, and I put plus more just because I didn't have space to list all the details. You probably have to give a third round pick or a fourth round pick to move up an extra spot. And um, I think this trade works for the Bengals as well. You could slide down and you could still get maybe a wide receiver, a corner, a tackle of your choice. Um, we're obviously going to have to wait and see. But uh, Panthers getting Justin Fields, he could start day one, especially if you re-sign Taylor Moten, who is one of the best left tackles in the NFL. Then he has all this weaponry and a great offensive line in front of him and one of the best OCs in the game. Yeah, I, I agree with both you guys about how Justin – or excuse me, Carolina in general has just been a really aggressive at quarterback this offseason. They're definitely going to try and find their guy, hopefully by May. I think that's definitely their plan. Um, rather, it's going to be through this draft or through, uh, you know, trades or free agencies. I, I still don't know because, again, we've seen how Carolina, they've been all over the place just trying to find their next guy. They definitely think that they can fit an NFL better in their system. Um, but Justin Fields is definitely a top quarterback in this draft class if Carolina thinks that they can get him on, on that jump and if they really think this is their guy under Matt Rule's system, then, yeah, they'll definitely go for it. This is a team that's aggressive. They're trying to get the guys that they want right off the bat. And, uh, yeah, it'll be interesting to see what they what they actually do once the draft starts, and hopefully we'll have you know some type of draft party to watch it together. But, yeah, I'm excited to see if this becomes Carolina's guy, and I really think he can do all the things that they're expecting from a quarterback in their system. I this is probably one of my favorite picks that we've made so far and have projected um, in weeks past. We've done like no trade mock drafts and we've still had, you know, Carolina taking Justin Fields. So I think this is a real possibility. If not, you know, if Fields gets taken before, you could still pick a Trey Lance or a Zach Wilson. Right. And I think either way, all four of the top four quarterbacks in this draft will be upgrades Maybe not over, not, maybe not day one over Teddy Bridgewater, but they have high, definitely have a higher ceiling than Teddy Bridgewater. Um, I think the most interesting thing is, do you trade Teddy Bridgewater if this becomes reality, or do you have Justin Fields, Trey Lance, Zach Wilson, whoever it is, sit for a year uh, just to learn the offense and the scheme, and then Teddy, you know, you can get out of his contract, and maybe Teddy goes finds a new home, right? I think you trade him because, I mean, this year, Joe Brady got head coaching interviews, so he's probably be gone next year. So I feel like if you want a Joe Brady system under a young quarterback, you got to – I think this year might be the year, so. Yeah, I agree. I, I think if they do get Justin Fields or any other quarterback this offseason, they're going to get rid of Teddy Bridgewater via trade or releasing something just because, um, you know, they definitely want – a new quarterback you know when they were being aggressive this year I believe they're one of the teams I was trying to get Matthew Stafford I believe they were trying to uh go out and reach to Deshaun Watson you know they're they were getting someone that you were going to start day one so if they do draft a quarterback they're they're going to start him no matter if he has if you know played good at a Big Ten school or a non-conference school at BYU they're going to get their new guy by May so, and I still think Teddy Bridgewater is a good enough asset in the NFL to where you can get something good out of him to help him build for your new quarterback. So. 
Yeah, I would imagine Teddy goes for like probably a second round pick. I mean, if Darnold goes for a three, then and Teddy's definitely a better quarterback than Darnold at this point. So you probably get a second rounder out of out of Teddy. All right, let's move on to the sixth pick in the NFL draft. I don't remember who has this pick. Is it me? Um, or Ashton? No, I think it's you. It is me. It is me because I remember the next pick um, is definitely a shocker. So this is probably uh, one of the most default picks that we've done. It happens every single mock draft. Vontae Smith, the Heisman winning wide receiver, uh, going to the Philadelphia Eagles. Definitely a dark horse team to uh, take a quarterback here, uh, depending on how they feel about Jalen Hurts. But I think you have to give Jalen Hurts a full year starting with uh, one of the best receivers to come out of the draft ever in Devontae Smith, one of the best college football players ever uh, in Devontae Smith. So, um, you know, pretty default we've had it in the past, but obviously Devontae Smith, run, you know, 4-2 speed, um, great hands. Um, he's He could be used in so many different ways. He could be an X receiver. He could be a slot receiver. You can use him as a gadget guy on end arounds and screens and whatnot. He, he could do it all because of how fast he is. Um, Devontae Smith really is like Tavon Austin coming out. Um, except he actually has hands and he will be a good NFL receiver. So, yeah, I don't think there's very much to say. I mean, they need receiver help. Devontae Smith is there. I mean, you could go Waddle. You could go. It kind of depends where where they have you know receivers ranked. But regardless, they should probably get one. I mean, what do they? They have Jalen Rager. They released Deshaun uh, Jackson. They released Alshon Jeffrey. So who do they really have? I mean, this is like a no, uh, you know, no brainer. They have good tight ends, so they don't need any of that. I mean, there is no tight end draft right here, anyways. But it's just receiver. Like I don't see them going any other way. Yeah, I agree. Unless you know, unless Kyle Pitts maybe somehow falls down, I think Devontae Smith is really your safe pick for the Eagles. You have you know no weapons on the outside. You, again, as Nick said, there's good tight ends, um, but you you need more support more help for Jalen Hurts. And I think what other better receiver if, you know, Kyle Pins is available than his former teammate who just came off a Heisman Trophy winning national championship winning season. Uh, Devontae Smith's a stud. He can do all the right things. He's a good route runner. He's fast. He's got good hands. He's just a really talented guy. And I think he's definitely a game changer, especially in the NFC East, which is always lacking talent on an annual basis. So he's <laughs> He can definitely help the Eagles compete for their division just by having him. <laughs> you know, you know they can be eight and eight and still be a contender for their division. Yeah, and you know there there's a good. I mean, look, there's a good shot that if it doesn't work out with Jalen Hurts, they don't have that great of a roster to where they could be picking in like the top five again. You know, obviously they're picking at six, but they could end up be picking this high again. And then if it doesn't work out, you get a quarterback next year. And you kind of restart and reload. And, you know, uh, obviously next year's quarterback class isn't, as of right now, isn't as good as this one. So you may be missing out on one of these top four quarterbacks. But I think that you have to risk it. You have to get Devontae Smith and give him a year to see what you have with Jalen Hurts. Um, Let's move on now to the seventh pick in the draft. Probably the biggest, I think the next few picks are pretty freaking shocking here where Ashton had Panay Sewell going to the Detroit Lions. 
Yeah, this was an interesting pick, but I I really think Panace Will is one of the more talented guys in this draft. And even though he's not a flashy player because he plays in the offensive line, what he did as an offensive tackle for Oregon, you know, protecting Justin Herbert for quite a few years, you, you really think, especially since you just got a new quarterback, Jared Goff, via trade with the Rams, you want this guy to be protected. And this is a guy who's not going to be, I don't think, used to the physicality of Detroit's offense, let alone their entire psychological culture, especially under their new head coach who's been saying unique, man, you know, very high masculinity things in these last few days. So it, it just makes sense, in my opinion, for them to get a big physical, but also very talented guy. Um, they're a team that could definitely use some support, not only in the run and passing game. And he's just, again, just a special player who's going to really be protecting Jared Goff, who is already fragile as it is with nine fingers. Look, I, you know, the more I sat about it and thought about it after this pick was made, the more of a, you know, with the way the board has fallen, if he's available at pick seven, um, I, I actually really, really like this pick. Obviously, Detroit does have good tackles, but one of those guys can move into guard because neither of them are going to be as good as Panay Sewell. And honestly, you could cut ties with one of them and save a lot of money. You could trade. Um, you could probably get a first-round pick out of either tackle. Um, their names are escaping me right now, but I know they're, they're good, solid players. Um, and obviously, tackles, you know, they're a, good tackles are a rarity in the NFL. And it would be such a Detroit Lions pick to go with the big physical offensive lineman. Uh, you know, you talked about the new coach, a big physical offensive lineman. Um, I fully expect the Lions to franchise tag Kenny Galladay. So I do believe he will be a line next year, unfortunately for him. Um, but, you know, then there, that kind of takes care of your receiver need. Maybe you can make a, some moves in the second round to get another one. Um, because it's such a deep receiver class, as we keep saying, um, Panay Sewell, I, I, he might end up being when this is all said and done, my number one player in the entire class. So, yeah, I mean, I like this pick. I, I don't really know who else could have. I mean, I guess they could have went corner, but they went Jeff Okuda last year. He didn't play very good, but you know, he was a rookie. You got to give him time to grow. So I don't know if they really go corner. I mean, there's Micah Parsons. You know, there's defensive players here, but Pene Swool kind of just fell to pick seven. And, you know, like you said, it's hard to find good tackles. It's rare. So it's just – I feel like you just got to take the chance and you hope that he's a franchise left tackle and, you know, you have him on a rookie deal, a, a rookie deal for like five years. So, you know, if he pans out, then you have a, a franchise tackle for cheap for at least five, you know, years. Yeah, and uh, it does also give Jared Goff the best chance to win and succeed. So, and Lion, the Lions and all, you know, they probably have a chance to be the number one pick next year with how bad this roster is constructed. Um, you know, questions of this new coaching staff. So if Jared Goff doesn't work out, take a quarterback next year, right? Uh, that's kind of the theme of the last few picks. Um, Ashton, you have anything else to add on your fight on your most recent pick? before we move on to probably the shocking, most the craziest pick I've ever seen in my life. I feel like you've said uh, it like five times. But, but this one really takes the cake, trust me. Okay, okay. I'll, I'll, I'm going to start counting how many times you do this from now to the end of this round. But um, 
Uh, the, the only thing I'll say is that, again, I do agree with you, Ryan, that Detroit is definitely a team that always can afford an experimental year just because, you know, they're already going to be last place in their division. Chicago's a better team. Minnesota's a better team. Green Bay's a better team. So you really don't have – you only have so much to lose anyway. So you might as well just go ahead and get the right pieces in for cheap. And then when you do have a top – five draft pick it rather it's one or five or whatever and also some extra salary space money then you can all of a sudden get aggressive and, and try and compete in your division let alone try and get to the playoffs a later time but i i think just panessa wells is a safe pick definitely the best player available and just some guy that you need to just kind of help make sure jared goff doesn't lose another thumb or pinky or whatever he lost last year all right uh moving on from future hall of famer panessa we have Nick with the Bengals pick, shocking the world by not taking a receiver or a tackle and going Caleb Farley out of Virginia Tech. Okay, so I originally wanted Panace Will here. That's who the Bengals going from five to eight, getting extra picks, but still getting their guy. But Ashton took him. So I was like, you know, let me, you know, mix it up. Caleb Farley is probably one of the biggest risers this year i mean he's long lanky fast i mean if you really think about it he's kind of what teams want in a corner nowadays with you know with whole when seattle did their lob thing and everyone was like oh we want these long lanky corners well he kind of fits that like long lanky fast corners you know and i just we I watched his tape and I just, I think he's going to be a really good corner in this, like um, in this league. And, you know, you're going to be playing teams like the Steelers who like to just throw the ball like 50 times, even though big Ben's what 40 years old, they still do it. Um, You know, you got Lamar Jackson on good days he can throw, but at least he'll shut down receivers. And then you have, the Browns, who surprisingly showed when they want to, they can throw the ball, you know, um, on you. And I don't know. I just like this pick. I think that the Bengals, they could go a lot of ways here. They can go Micah Parsons. I thought about everyone, but I don't know. I think he's going to be a really good corner, and I think he, he just fits in. You know, obviously, um, William Jackson being free agent, I, I think we all think that William Jackson will resign with the Bengals. Um, I know that me and Nick do. I can't speak for Ashton. Uh, we were talking about it today. Um, w- William Jackson, obviously, being a number one corner. You have Jesse Bates, who's probably the best safety in the NFL, IMO. Um, you just add another valuable piece to your secondary. And, you know, we've seen in the past, you know, you look at Miami, you look at the Patriots. If you have a good secondary, you don't have to have the greatest pass rush in the world. Um, and look, they, they can take care of the offensive line and free agency. Um, I have Joe Tooney, uh, the Patriots guard, going to them uh, in our free agency, you know, uh, preview. And wide receiver, it's not like a very pressing need because they have, multi, they have Tyler Boyd and T. Higgins. It's not the biggest need on this team. They obviously need corner. They need help a lot other spots and. If you want, you can play Caleb Farley at safety too. I mean, he's six, he's six two and two ten. Um, he's a better. He's the best man corner I think in this draft. Patrick Sertan's a better zone corner. Um, I have Sertan as my number one corner, uh, but I don't hate this pick whatsoever. Um, 
I feel like the fans will, uh, people watching, but, you know, whatever. Get over it. <laughs> yes, yeah, Cincinnati, they're one of those teams that just has to react to the rest of their division. And when you're playing with Ben Roethlisberger, Lamar Jackson, and Baker Mayfield twice a year, the only way you're going to stop any of those three, let alone all three, is by having a solid secondary. And if you add Caleb Farley to your defense, that makes it easier not only to stop Ben Roethlisberger, Ben Roethlisberger's passing, but it also allows you to add more defensive players into the tackle box because you have more faith on man-to-man coverage, aggressive single-high zone coverage, and that kind of helps, you know, really complements the defense in general to stop Lamar Jackson, whose style of offense is definitely opposite of Big Ben. So either way, corner's definitely a big help, especially in this league that's been pass-heavy. Um, makes sense for Cincinnati just to try and stay competitive in their division because they're definitely not a playoff team anytime soon. But, you know, a lot of fans might not just like it just because they need help everywhere. And they might think, well, we need to give Joe Burrow a weapon or we definitely need to give him more protection. This is a rich offensive line draft class. And so if you can get Caleb Farley at eight, it's still not a bad pick. And I think they can get any offensive tackle that's, you know, even in the second round and still feel better about themselves and knowing that they got a talented guy like Caleb Party to try and stop their other quarterbacks in the AFC North. Yeah, I mean, you said it. You can get a Jalen Mayfield and Alex Leatherwood later. Um, and the thing is, you know, you kind of touched on the coverages and whatnot. With these teams that like to run the ball so much, like Baltimore and Cleveland, having a 6-2 physical corner that could tackle in the open field will definitely help them as well. Okay, and Nick, unless you have anything else you want to add, I'm going to move on to my pick, if I'm not mistaken, the Denver Broncos, my favorite team. Um, Nick, don't point out that thing hanging over your right shoulder. Um, painful. Nothing but pain. Uh, I have Denver Broncos getting um, Patrick Chantan, the cornerback out of Alabama, the best zone coverage corner in this draft. This pick has changed for me, um, but we'll talk about that in f- a future mock draft. Uh, there's a player that, you know, I talked to Nick about it, um, that I would prefer the Broncos to take here at nine. But if they came away with Patrick Sertan, I wouldn't be mad. They desperately need corner. Um, they cut A.J. Bouye. Their best corner is Michael Ojemudier, who was like a third or fourth round pick last year. Um, and he's a number two corner at best. So you got to get a number one corner in here. Uh, sucks for the Cowboys in the next pick. They're kind of missing out on uh, a corner that they desperately need. But uh, the Broncos taking Patrick Sertan, who is not as physical as Caleb Farley, but he, he's more of a finesse type of corner. You know, I, I like the pick. I think Patrick Sertan's definitely also, a, a, you know, a top three corner in this draft class. You know, Jace Horn's also available out of South Carolina. But Patrick Sertan is definitely a solid, you know, right off the bat pro corner in my opinion just because he's you know one really talented but two he's been playing under Nick Saban for quite a few years playing at the University of Alabama which you can argue is the 33rd NFL team um so he's definitely a solid guy and again Denver does need help in their secondary if they have any plans of competing against Patrick Mahomes uh if they try to want to cover up Darren Waller you know against the Raiders um, Justin Herbert and all his weapons that he's got there already with the Chargers. You know, you have to be aggressive at secondary. So Patrick Sertan definitely just makes sense. 
Ryan, I know you were looking at other players as well. And, you know, there's other guys that you might be more happy with, you know, for Denver to get. But Patrick Sapon definitely a good answer, a good way to respond to the other teams that you're facing twice a year in the AFC West. Yeah, I mean, just be, just because of Patrick Mahomes, this pick makes sense. I mean, if the Broncos bring back Justin Simmons and they draft Patrick Sertan, you know, Justin Simmons is one of the best safeties in um, in the league right now. Patrick Sertan, who knows what he's going to be the first year, but in you know, in you know, coming years, he could turn out to be a really good corner, and that could be a really good duo. I mean, I just look around. Yeah, Justin Herbert, really good young quarterback. Patrick Mahomes, we don't need to say much more. Um, you know, they need corner help. They don't have corners like you know. Ryan said their best corner was a draft pick last year. Yeah, like this pick just makes sense for me, and it's like Patrick Sertan kind of just fell into their laps, and I just think that they need to take them. Yeah, would have liked a quarterback here, but. Uh, as we know, highly unlikely that the Broncos will not move on from Drew Locke. Moving on to pick number 10, uh, I don't remember who had this pick. Ashton. Pretty sure it was me. Um, okay. Which well, I, I just went with what I know about Dallas, and that is they are always a O-line heavy team. They like to spend most of their money on the front line, you know, which makes any running back look like a 1,000-yard rusher. You know, Darren McFadden was a 1,000-yard rusher. Murray was a thousand yard rusher back there. Ezekiel Elliott, you know, he and the league was a thousand yard rusher. You know, a, a lot of people don't realize a lot of the running success in Dallas was because of them getting first round picks in the offensive line. Also, their O line this year has had a lot of injuries. Um, they're definitely not as talented as it's been in recent years. So it just makes sense for them to do what they've been typically been doing in the last five, six years, and that's to get the best offensive lineman possible. Rasan Slater, he's definitely a stud at Northwestern. Uh, and I, I really think for him to have that experience playing against solid edge rushers and other defensive linemen in the Big Ten, playing against Ohio State nearly every year, he, he, he just makes sense for the Cowboys, especially since they're probably going to re-sign Dak Prescott and need to keep him healthy. Uh, well, it seems like they're going to franchise tag Dak, unfortunately, for Dak, uh, which almost guarantees Dak will – be on a new team next year. So I'm looking forward to next offseason when he becomes a Denver Bronco. Um, other than that, uh, Rashawn Slater, you know, some people uh, have Rashawn Slater as the number one tackle in their draft. So um, it's not, you know, a crazy pick here. The tackle's definitely a need. They have injuries along the offensive line, like you said. Um, I'm kind of just echoing everything you said about why it makes sense. So, uh, yeah, it, it's a perfect fit. Um, he could also move inside the guard if they need him to, if they think, Tyron Smith or whoever their other offensive linemen are are going to be healthy and they'll be back. But this move allows you to move on from those uh, those huge cap hits you have and you can move on from these guys, trade them, do whatever you got to do. And it gives you more cap space for the defensive side of the ball, which is where Dallas struggles the most, right? So, Yeah, I mean, really Dallas's holes are secondary. I don't know if there's a corner here to reach for at 10. There's so, I mean, offensive line is really the only other need because last year, I believe last year they were pretty banged up. And that offensive line that they drafted, what was it? It was a long time ago. They're already getting up there in age. So, and so, you know, this pick just, 
you know, makes sense. And just like Ryan said, you know, you could trade players, you could cut players, release players that have really big cap hits, and you could slide him right in, and I think he'll do just fine. All right, let's move on to pick number 11, where we have yet another trade. We yeah, have so this was originally my pick. It was the Giants, and Ryan called I made me. a little phone call. So I, at pick number 15, I am the GM of, New, of the New England Patriots, and I called my good friend Joe Judge as Bill Belichick. You know, see what I did there? There's a little connection there. And I need a quarterback. Uh, Cam Newton is not coming back to the Patriots. I don't, I don't think he is, but um, in our free agency preview, I think both me and Nick have uh, Cam leaving New England and going to a different team. So I need to trade up here for arguably the most physically gifted quarterback we've seen in a very long time. Um, a, a player who's actually pretty similar to Cam Newton coming out of college. Trey Lance, the quarterback out of North Dakota State, the Patriots, um, trading the 15th pick to the Giants, plus more, probably a third or a fourth round pick here to move up, maybe a future second round pick. Who knows? Either way, you're coming up to get your guy a quarterback, and it's just scary. Bill Belichick um, getting a new, a new quarterback, a guy that doesn't have to be picked in the sixth round. Uh, so, yeah, Patriots select future Hall of Famer Trey Lance. Yeah, I mean, I like this pick a lot. They, I mean, I think they should win quarterback last year, but for some reason they didn't. They they thought Jared Stidham and Cam Newton, they could all, but it, it just didn't work. And I feel like Trey Lance, I feel like you have to jump the next the next team, which is, I believe, the Niners, to get him because I think if not, the Niners will probably draft him. And I just, I think it's a perfect fit. I mean, Trey Lance has got all the tools to be great. And if anyone's going to get that out of him, it's going to be Bill Bel Bill Bel a check. I mean, he Tom Brady, he drafted him with the sixth round, and you see how that turned out. So. We'll see what he could do with him, and it looks like a lot of their opt-outs are coming back, so that team is probably going to be stacked again next year, so they just need receiver help. Watch out, Bills fans. <laughs> yeah, I, I like this pick as well. I think um, it's going to be weird regardless to see New England actually draft in the top 15, in the, let alone actually use a their draft pick in the first round. Um but Trey Lance is just such a stunt player. I believe he got what was called the Jerry Rice Player of the Year, which I guess in the FCS levels, like their Heisman, basically. Um, and he won that as like a freshman. This guy's a stud. He can really throw the ball anywhere. Uh, he has good legs, good mobility. He's really a guy that can fit under any system, in my opinion. And I think Bill Belichick, he will definitely use his talents to really help make the perfect team. And we talked about how if as long as the defense is healthy and comes back and comes – you know, doesn't choose to opt out and hopefully COVID doesn't have the impact like it did last year. New England's, you know, right back at it again, competing for the AFC East. And, you know, this is a team that doesn't plan on tanking. Bill Belichick's not a tanking guy in any way. Even when he joined the New England Patriots, there was already this winning mentality there. You know, we, you know, they had plans of winning right then and there. And I don't think Bill Belichick has just any plans of just slowing down just because they've already spent quite a bit of money and already won so many Super Bowls. So it just makes sense for them to go ahead and get their next guy, especially at North Dakota State. You know, we've seen how Carson Wentz being drafted out of there. He was really humble about his position, trying just to be a competitive quarterback in the NFL. I really think with Trey Lance, you get kind of that same vibe. 
I, I think that at this point, you can make the argument that Trey Lance is a better player coming out than Carson Wentz was. Um, and look, another reason this, this move makes sense to the Patriots to come up and get Trey Lance is that the Dolphins in their own division just traded for Deshaun Watson. So you need a high-level quarterback to compete with him, Josh Allen, slowly but surely. And that, and if – no, wait. Who's the last team in their Zach division? Wilson. Yeah, and Zach Wilson now. The AFC East slowly turning into the best division in football, question mark? Um, you know, it's a possibility. All right. Uh, forget, hold on. Just don't, don't forget, as of today, he is 20 years old. So young, dude. Oh, very, yeah, very young. So just, you know, Joe Burrow coming out was at like 23, 24 last year. 23. So like three years younger than him. So he's not even scratching the surface the way he can be. By the time he gets the second contract, he's going to be, what, 25 years old? That's unbelievable. Yeah. All right, let's move on to pick number 12, where the San Francisco 49ers, I don't remember who had this pick. Was it me? Yeah, I believe well, so. Back to back picks. Oh my goodness. All right. I had the first 49ers selecting JC Horn, the corner out of South Carolina. Um, most people's consensus, uh, third corner in this draft. They're going to be losing Richard Sherman most likely in free agency because they don't have the cap to sign him. They have to re sign Trent Williams. Um, and corner was already, even with Richard Sherman, if they were somehow to bring back Richard Sherman. It's already it's still a need because they don't have a number two corner. Uh, you bring in one of the best corners in the draft, um, and hit sin right there. Yeah, I mean, if Trey Lance is here, I think they draft him. If any of the top four quarterbacks are here, I think that they draft him. But you know, as we saw, Trey Lance is gone. Um, they Jason Verrett played pretty good for them last year. Oh, I forgot Jason Verrett and existed. He's great last year. He is a free agent, though, so I don't know if they bring him back. If they do, then drafting J.C. Horn and Jason Verrett, that could be that's a really good combo. But I mean, it's it's hard. There's a lot of good. There's a lot of places that they could go here. Um, they don't need edge help. I mean, they have Bosa. They don't need edge help, and I don't even know if there's an edge to be able to be picked right here. They could go linebacker, but I don't know. I just think corner, as we saw last year, they were hurt. I mean, they were hurt, hurts everywhere last year, but their corners were really hurting. After the their like top two went down, they were really hurting. So, J.C. Horn just makes a lot of sense. Yeah, I, I like this pick as well, especially as, as we all said that you know, with all the quarterbacks already being crafted, supposedly in our mock draft, this is really the best player available and also the best player that fits forty nine for for the forty nine ers. And really, assuming all their players are healthy, assuming that Santa Clara water doesn't affect them anymore. Um, this is a really team that's we're gonna probably see in the playoffs again. I mean, we saw how they went to the Super Bowl with Jimmy Garoppolo. So, really, if they don't get their quarterback, if they can just get the right pieces again, replace the guys that they're losing, um, this is a team that can go back into the playoffs and compete. Will they go back to the Super Bowl? I don't know. I don't really think so. Obviously, um, Tampa Bay Buccaneers have really shown that they are, you know, arguably the team to beat, especially with Tom Brady kind of leading the offense, being as competitive as he is. Aaron Rodgers will hopefully get more weapons and Green Bay will be again another contender. But this is a good team and I think they'll get a lot better just by getting J.C. Horn, especially if they're going to be losing some corners and other players in their secondary during free agency. 
I am definitely buying my 49ers stock. Everyone's down on them now. Um, I think next year we're talking about them being the best team in the NFC, regardless of who their quarterback is. All right, let's move on to the 13th pick in the NFL draft. Samuel Cosme, offensive tackle out of Texas, going to the L.A. Chargers. This is Ashton. I think it's Ashton, oh, yeah. That's right. This was my pick. Um, yeah, I, I just went for the safe pick. I really think the Chargers, again, like the Niners, they actually have a lot of talented players on both sides of the ball. Um, you recently just drafted Justin Herbert out of Oregon. I think here it's just simply making sure he's protected, making sure that he doesn't get a whole lot of pressure. You know, he's playing the Raiders twice a year, which is a team that's going to be reiterating pass rush, especially since they've lacked quite a bit of it, despite the fact that they drafted like 800 defensive linemen. Um, then you have Kansas City Chiefs, which, again, if you plan on going in a constant shootout with Patrick Mahomes, you, you better make sure Justin Herbert's comfortable in the pocket and is able to make all the reads he needs to to throw that deep ball. And then also, again, they're playing Denver, which if Denver doesn't address their secondary, that probably won't be as big as a problem. But it's all about having a solid front seven defense, and you need to probably respond to that anyway. So by, again, getting Samuel Cosby, it's pretty much the perfect fit in regards to making sure that your quarterback who's entering his sophomore year, basically, make sure he has another great year, and also make sure that he stays healthy throughout that year. Yeah, uh, Samuel Cosby going to have to go up against, um, if I'm not mistaken, Frank Clark is still a chief. Frank Clark, Bradley Chubb, maybe Yvonne Miller, if he goes back to the Denver Broncos. Um, you know, Max Crosby, depending on how you feel about Max Crosby. Um, I believe we have the 49ers taking – or not the 49ers, the Raiders taking an edge rusher here. So you're going to have to go up against an edge, another edge rusher. I'm not going to spoil it who it is. But, yeah, um, the thing about Cosme is he can slide in to play guard if you need him to, if you think that your tackles are uh, more ready to play than he is. Um, I think that this is one of the most likely picks to happen in the draft. Uh, the Chargers, they have to go offensive line here. Um, you know, also a dark horse team to take a wide receiver here, the Chargers. But uh, we're not going to have them take a wide receiver in this one. Cosme to the Tex or to the Texans, to the Chargers. I think it makes a lot of sense. Yeah, I don't think that they really, if, if you really sit back and think about it, they don't have that many needs. I mean, their defense is stacked. Fully, fully healthy, their defense is stacked. I mean, they picked up Chris Harris last year. They got Casey Haywood. They got Derwin James. I think they drafted a safety like two years ago or something. That was supposed to be like really good. You still got Joey Bosa. I don't know if they oh, – what's his name? Ingram. I don't know, but their linebacker, they just drafted Kenneth Murray last year. So they're, they're stacked. I mean, really the only place to go is line. They don't need receivers like – it's just line like that's just if it's either him or if it's an interior lineman I don't know but it needs to be line yeah uh, I think obviously Elijah Vera Tucker is a possibility here his draft stock is soaring through the roof because of his ability to play uh, all five positions um, I thought of the name though it's Nasir Adderley yes uh, was the safety Ashton any last comments before we move on to pick 14 um no, that, that's pretty much all I had. Safe pick, Samuel Cosme, stud out there from the University of Texas. Um, hopefully I'm right and he ends up being drafted here, but only time will tell. Yep, still believe two months to go before the NFL draft. Uh, we're kind of beating a dead horse at this point. Pick number 14, 
Uh, the guy I just mentioned, Elijah Vera Tucker, going to the Minnesota Vikings. So I chose this because Minnesota, I mean, if you think of what they are, they're a run-first team. Dalvin Cook is one of the best running backs in the league. He could be the best, depending on how you see it. And Tucker just, like, I guess his tape as guard is unbelievable. They say he's, if he was the guard, like, at guard, he's probably, he's the best guard in this class. And I just, the Vikings don't have, I mean, they got Justin Jefferson last year. They could go Waddle or something here, but they got just they got Jefferson, you know, last year. They have Adam Thielen. They just released Kyle Rudolph today, but Pitts isn't here, so you don't need, there's no tight ends to really get. I feel like you just have to go Lion. I mean, you get to protect Kurt Cousins, and I mean, this is just the safest pick. Yeah, I, I agree. I think that if they still plan on having Dalvin Cook basically take up 80% of their offensive yardage, especially in the run plays, uh, you, you just got to make sure your O-line is staying you know, at a competitive level. And Elijah Barrett Tucker, he's definitely a solid dude at USC. Um, not, not only was he a solid player on the inside blocking defensive linemen and linebackers, but he was also good in protection, you know, helping Slovis, I believe, the quarterback for USC, who's like a sophomore you know, he's had a great couple of years already at USC because of number 75 right here. So uh, Minnesota's, unless Minnesota makes some crazy trade to go up and get a weapon, either like Devontae Adams or Kyle Pitts, um, this pick just makes the most sense to me. Well, I don't envision them taking Devontae Adams, but Devontae Smith, you know. Devontae Smith, that's what I meant. I'm sorry. No, 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 no. Um, <laughs> if we could somehow turn the 14th pick in Devontae Adams – uh, instant Super Bowl contender. Um, yeah. And again, it was going to be a blockbuster pick. So, I mean, if they get a wide receiver named Devontae, it's it's obviously probably a solid player anyway because Devontae is also a stud wide receiver. I, I also think the Vikings are somewhat of a dark horse candidate to trade up for a quarterback. Um, obviously, if, you know, Kirk Cousins, I don't think he's winning a Super Bowl anytime soon. He's one of those mid-tier average quarterbacks, right, around the 15 to 18 range in most people's rankings. So definitely a dark, a dark horse team to take a quarterback. Uh, maybe they wait till next year for that, though. All right, let's move on to pick number 15, where the New York Giants have traded down, and they are on the clock. Well, it's me again. This was my pick that I traded to Ryan. You know, Ryan went up, got, you know, Trey Lance. And – when I was looking at the picks, Jalen Waddle was actually – I was thinking about picking him at pick 11. So, I was like, the Giants need receiver. That's their number one need. So, it's a pretty good fit that I moved down four spots, got got more picks, and still got the guy that I think that the Giants should get. So, it's Jalen Waddle. There's nothing else to it. When he was healthy, he was outperforming Devontae Smith. I mean, there's just – there's nothing else to it. I mean – he could be the number one receiver in the class, depending on how you look at it, what you want. I mean, you know, I at pick 15, this is a very good value pick for them. Look, if you have Jalen Waddle as your number one receiver in this class, I'm not going to fault you, and I don't think it's a crazy thought. There's a reason. He, I mean, he kept Devontae Smith off the field. He was the number one receiver. He was outperforming him until he got hurt. Um he came back and he wanted to play in the national championship game. He played a few snaps, didn't look very good because the injury was still there, but 
you know, I think that speaks to the character of Jalen Waddle, him wanting to play through an injury in a championship game. So I think you're getting a high IQ football guy, a guy that wants to play, a guy that will play injured for you. And I, overall, I mean, I think he's a better player than Devontae Smith. So. Yeah, Jalen Wall is a solid guy, and the fact that he started over Devontae Smith for, you know, a handful of years in Alabama and knowing Devontae Smith ending his senior year as a national champion as well as a Heisman Trophy winner, you, you there's only – you got to think of just all the potential that Jalen Wall has and how well he can be in the NFL, assuming he, that he fully recovers from his injury, stays healthy, and even being willing to get hurt again in the national championship game when you already know that you're pretty much a heavy favorite, knowing that you could risk a re-injury or compromising yourself into the offseason, knowing that you're about to be a professional athlete and make millions of dollars, you know, coming off as the first-round wide receiver, um, that says a lot. And I really think he'll fit with the New York Giants just fine. They definitely help need help at wide receiver. This, in my opinion, is a perfect match. Uh, yeah. All right, let's, uh, unless you have anything else you want to add, Nick. We can go ahead and move on. Danny Dimes, baby. Oh, God. <laughs> All right, let's move on to pick number 16. The Arizona Cardinals, probably one of the shockers here of the draft. A running back going in the top 16. This, I definitely know, was my draft pick. Um, I know that there's a lot of hesitations in regards to getting a running back in the first round, especially since we, we see a lot of success in the offense kind of being more because of the passing game having that big arm quarterback, having super fast but good footwork wide receivers. But Najee Harris, he's really a game changer. A lot of Alabama's success really starts with him. Um, they, a lot of play action that Nick Saban ran that year with when, when you have a guy who's six foot two, but he plays like he's an athletic, you know, five, eight, five, nine player. Um, he's just a guy who's going to create problems for any front seven defense. And I really think if you're Arizona, knowing that you pretty much got your defense situated with J.J. Watt kind of out there, knowing that you have a young, talented secondary, you got to handle the Patrick Peterson thing. And maybe they – but, again, because Horn, Fawley, and Sertan were already drafted, um, I think the next best thing for them is to complement the run game, especially when you have small Kyler Murray, who's kind of going based off read options and being the keeper – if you can have more eyes on the running back, it's really going to make the offense more versatile for Kyler Murray in Arizona. Yeah, they don't have a down, down, like a pound the ball, you know, back. Kenyon Drake was kind of supposed to be that because he's, he was what, like 6'2 something. He's about the same size as, um, you know, Najee Harris. But they have Chase Edmonds, who's kind of a shorter back, smaller, like out of the backfield, speedy guy. So just bringing in Najee, um, uh, Najee Harris is kind of a change of pace back. He could be your your um, uh, you know goal line back. I mean, it's to me it just fits. It's just you just bring them in. They don't have very many needs as you you see. They have stars everywhere. I mean, running back's probably the only need. I mean, they probably they they could go line here, but I don't really think there's any that you know that they could really reach for right here. And I just think Najee Harris is the best fit for um, uh, for them. Yeah, and I think that one thing that Najee Harris does really well is catch the ball in the backfield, and in this air raid style offense, he'll be very, very valuable. All right, let's move on to pick number 17. Uh, Ashton, I know you really, really like this pick. Quiddy Pay, the edge rusher out of Michigan. I don't remember whose pick this was. Was it mine? 
Never mind. This one's yours. Quiddy Pay, edge rusher, going to the Raiders. Yeah, this one, they're kind of in a weird spot. Um, pick 17, they need secondary help. They need safety help. This isn't a very good safety class, so there's really no safeties to get. Um, they could go line here, but not really because they have a lot of money invested in the line. You know, and there's really no young quarterback. They have a quarterback. It's They just drafted a running back last year or two years ago. I mean, they need edge help. Um, I don't know what the stats were, but I know that they were, like, bottom of the league and, like, pressure rate and sacks and everything. So, you know, you kind of just have to keep drafting until you finally hit on one. They did hit on one, but they traded him away. But you have to keep drafting again until you can hit on one again. And, you know, Quiddy Pay is, you know, I think he's the guy. I love to be a Raider fan. I, <laughs> And, and I, I like the pick so much, Nick. And, and really, I was already pressuring you to kind of make this happen just because I I, I just want Mike Mayock and John Gruden to admit that, they, that they've had quite a few misses in the draft. And I really think Quay Pay, he is a stud defensive player. He really is going to help with the defense right, right as soon as he gets into training camp with the Raiders. So we, we need him. And I think we'll – as you said, try and find a safety elsewhere because this is not really a safety-heavy draft class. Yeah, maybe you go to the TCU safety uh, in round two. Um, you know, some people have them going in the first round. I think that what the Raiders should do here is um, Michael Parsons is potentially here. Um, so maybe take him and then pursue Von Miller in free agency. Um, if the Broncos decide not to, bring Von Miller back, um, which I think is a very high possibility. Um, kind of my little off-season plan for the Raiders, bring in Von Miller, uh, try to get Micah Parsons, and if not, Jeremiah Wosu's on the board. But I don't hate taking an edge rusher here. I've spoke about it in the past. I just don't think it'll happen because I think that Mayock and Gruden are really stubborn people, and I don't think they'll admit they're wrong. So, But they should, and they should take Pay if, if he's on the board. Uh, most people's number one edge in the class. All right, let's pick. move on to pick number 18. Micah Parsons finally off the board uh, with the Dolphins slash Texans pick here. Uh, this was, you know, moved in the Deshaun Watson trade. I believe I made this pick, if I'm not mistaken. You just, you know, let J.J. walk, walk, walk to Arizona um, right down the road, right? So you need to bring in a new tone setter defensively. You have absolutely no talent defensively. Uh, if you're Houston, you bring in potentially the best defender, uh, best defensive player in this class. I know we had some off the field issues. Uh, Nick, I know this is one of your guys. Um, he can play stand up regular linebacker, inside backer. You can move him to outside backer. I think Michael Parsons could play edge rusher if you really needed him to. He is that explosive and gets off the ball that quick. So uh, Michael Parsons, going to the Houston Texans pick 18 uh, part of the Deshaun Watson deal. Yeah. I, the slide happened because of all the stuff that started to come out, but I kind of went back and started to watch tape and yeah, he, he, he slid down to here, but if we did a mock draft again today, he wouldn't be here. He's just explosive. He is makes plays all over the field. You know, at first I was like, you know, the middle, middle linebacker, you know, is kind of fading away and stuff. But honestly, when you, you know, watch him, 
he just he he just makes plays like he's always around the ball. He's causing turnovers, whether that's picks, fumbles, you know, anything like tackles for loss. He's always doing it. And honestly, I feel like if you're gonna build a team, what better? Like you already have Tua in our mock draft. You have Tua. You don't need a quarterback. You know, you got Larry Tunsil. You don't need a tackles. You don't. You know, why not just get? You know, he arguably, when it's all said and done, could be the best player drafted in this draft, if not top three. I mean, he's that he's that talented. Yeah, I I like this draft pick. If Michael Parsons somehow falls this far, um, I I think Houston would definitely be happy to just go ahead and get him. They they basically get the the next best player available. They're a team that's again a mess. Bill Ryan basically gave up everybody for nothing. Um, my, and Michael Parsons is a stud. I know there were some, you know, some off the field things that were discussed on some articles, but I, I really think because it was, you know, fairly two or three years ago, um, and depending on, um, depending on if they determined if it was really that serious on the off the field, because it's still, I believe, sort of being investigated. Um, Michael Parsons should be still be in the first round. He's definitely able to be a first-round pick. And really, heck, based on the trade situation that Nick created, um, or maybe Ryan did, I can't remember which of you two did, um, yeah. Houston could really just try and play it safe, get Michael Parson with the third pick, and then get a receiver with this pick just because it is a receiver-heavy draft class. Yeah, it, it is. Yeah, I mean, it's not the craziest thing. I just um, – I really think that the Parsons – hate has kind of died down and the par- the Parsons off the field issues have died down. So I fully expect him uh, in two weeks when we make another mock draft, I, I fully expect him to, you know, be a higher pick than this. And honestly, if this was the Dolphins pick, I the Dolphins could still take him, you know? Um, they definitely need linebacker help. I mean, honestly, I think if he fell this far in, in um, uh, real life, I think someone would have traded up, probably picked 10, 11, 12, and probably got him. I mean, I don't think he really falls to this, but, you know, it's just, yeah. I mean, it was just like need. We were going off need, and he's kind of where he fell. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we just we just took a quick break. I want to make sure everything's recording. It's recording, right, boys? Yep. All right. Now let's move on to the 19th pick in the draft. I believe this was my pick. Um, the... Washington football team taking Rashad Bateman. I'm right. This is my pick, right? I think Ashton. Ashton. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it was mine. Okay, go for it. Yeah, Nick messed up the draft order like 10 times because of all the trades he did. Um, But for Washington, I I gave them uh, Rashad Bateman, the wide receiver out of Minnesota. I think he's a stud there too. This is a deep wide receiver draft class, and we saw them just re-sign Heineke, I believe, to a two-year deal for – I don't know, $8 million, I think. So you have the money to get weapons anywhere else. Chase Youngstone is rookie contract. Um, they have a solid running back. Their old line's actually not that bad or anything better. But I think just based on who's available and the fact that they don't really have a lot of weapons and that you just re-signed the quarterback, uh, you finally have an identity at quarterback, um, go ahead and just give him weapons. Rashawn Bateman's a stud. Um, best of luck to him if he does get drafted here because Washington's just a unique franchise in general. You never know how good or just average that they'll be. Yeah, you go ahead and pair Rashad Bateman with Terry McLaurin, and 
hopefully Heineke's your guy. And if not, you bring in another guy. Cam Newton's a free agent. So I, I, I think Cam Newton to Washington is a real possibility. Just a quick little preview of our uh, free agent podcast. And Ryan told us a couple of days ago or yesterday that he actually ran a 4-3-9. A He's fast. <laughs> yeah, we thought he was a jump ball receiver, but he is not. All right, let's move on to pick number 20. Uh, Christian Derisaw, offensive tackle out of Virginia Tech, going to the Bears. Was okay, it? So I believe that this is my pick because Ashton and me, yes. Okay, so yeah. I believe it's my pick. And the Bears' offensive line for the first, like, half the year was really not good. David Montgomery, I believe I saw a stat. It was something like he was getting hit, like, a yard after the line a scrimmage like they they were they were getting no push and no one knows who their quarterback's gonna be i don't think it's gonna be trubisky i don't know if i trust Foles. i don't know if they're gonna bring someone in new trade for someone draft who knows but i just feel like you know they don't they need an offensive line they don't really have that many needs their defense is actually pretty good david montgomery showed that he could be a number one um, if they franchise Allen, uh, Allen Robbins can have a number one wideout. So I just feel like a tackle here is just, it's a perfect fit. So I don't know how they have their tackles. You know, it could be someone else, but I'm just going with Christian Dare Assault. Yeah, I like the, I, I like the pick. I mean, the Bears on line definitely not been one of the best, um, but it's definitely not the entire reason why they've had bad quarterback outings. But it's, it's definitely something that they need to address. And who knows? This could be a way for them to, you know, tell free agent free agency quarterbacks that, hey, if you decide to come play here, we're going to make sure you're protected. And, uh, you know, with J.J. Watt going to Arizona is interesting because that really kind of helps, uh, increases the chance of maybe Russell Wilson leaving Seattle just because there's there's yet to be discussions about them getting a better road line. Uh, Russell Wilson already – well, not him, but his agent – has identified four teams that um, he would be willing to be traded for, and one of them was Chicago. So, makes sense to me. Well, I mean, if you can get Russell Wilson, I don't think you have this draft pick right here, the 20th pick. So, um, I doubt that happens, and I think the world knows that that's probably not a an option. But uh, reports to come out, they might stick with Nick Foles. Uh, personally, I wouldn't. I would go after Cam Newton or Alex Smith. Um, just a veteran to kind of stabilize that quarterback position because the defense is ready to win now. Let's move on to pick number 21, uh, where I had Gregory Rousseau, the edge rusher out of Miami, going to the Indianapolis Colts. I believe this was my pick, if I'm not mistaken. Um, if I ever do that, you guys, you boys, just jump in and correct me. Um, you have DeForest Buckner. You have your quarterback now in Carson Wentz. It takes them out of the quarterback market. Um, so Mac Jones, not a possibility here, I don't think. Um, and Rousseau is a guy who had 15 and a half sacks as a freshman. Um, you, you're kind of just banking on that high upside. Um, if you're the GM of the Colts, which I was, and look, obviously his freshman tape isn't going to be the best because he was a freshman in college. You go look at Khalil Mack's freshman tape, go look at Von Miller's freshman tape, go look at Miles Garrett's freshman tape. None of them are polished, the polished pure edge rushers that they are today. You know, some of the best in the business. I think Russo has the potential. I think he sat, you know, since he sat out last year, he's been working on his game. Uh, so I, I really like the idea of Rousseau, um, who might end up being my number one edge rusher when it's all said and done. 
I like the idea of him going to a franchise where they already have an established number one edge rusher to where that kind of takes the pressure off of him and he can kind of come into his own and be coached up in a way that would be very good for him. And also Indianapolis has one of the best coaching staffs in the NFL. I think it'd be very beneficial for him. Yeah. I mean, 15 and a half sacks is no joke, no matter who it is, no matter what year or anything, that's a lot of sacks. So his talent is there. His technique will come, you know, he's, he's still young. He's probably what, 21, 22 years old. You know, his talents there, technique, it can, it, it will be worked on. And I, I, I like this pick a lot. Yeah, I, I like the pick as well. I'm just going to try and make this fairly quick. Uh, Greg Rousseau's a stud. Um, he's, he's got all the tangibles. He's made some great plays as a freshman. Um, again, it's not a lot of film to work with, but he definitely has a lot of that raw talent that we've seen other players from other programs and they end up thriving as well in the NFL. And, you know, talking about Khalil Mack, even when he was, you know, playing all four years at the University of Buffalo, um, it was all mainly because of that talent that he had. Um, we knew that he could do the things that he could do when it got to the NFL, but it was mainly because of the scouting, uh, just seeing his tangibles and stuff like that. And Greg Rousseau, he definitely has a chance to, you know, even to work on his craft get better, mix that with the raw talent he already has, this guy can be a solid number one edge rusher on any team in the pros. I, this is a guy who played receiver and safety uh, in high school, and he learned the new position as, as a freshman, and he dominated. That's why I'm kind of banking on this upside. All right, let's move on to pick number 22, where Aziz Ojolari, the edge rusher out of Georgia, is going to the Tennessee Titans. Yeah, I believe this was my pick. Um, Azil Aldari, um, this was a guy I really been starting to like more and more watching his tape. Um, this is a guy who can actually easily go higher up in this draft um, after watching him play well in the SEC, let alone against Alabama offensive line. But Tennessee does need to draft edge, and if Aziz Aldari is available, it's a perfect fit. Yeah, Tennessee's defensive line last year was anything but good. Their pressure rate was terrible, sack rate terrible, everything was terrible. I mean, they just need edge. I don't – it doesn't matter who they pick. They just need – they need an edge at this pick. Yeah, outside of Jeffrey Simmons, they don't have a lot going on there on the defensive line. Um, I'm a big Jeffrey Simmons guy, but, you know, he's only a defensive tackle. There's only so much he could do as far as pressure rate, and he's not Aaron Donald or Chris Jones. So he's not going to make that impact that an edge rusher would. Um and Aziz Aljulari, he's such a raw player. Kind of, you know, he's similar to Rousseau in the fact that he's such a raw, and you're kind of banking on the high upside. Um, I love this pick. I'm a big Aziz Aljulari guy, and I think this is, you know, I think it's a very underrated edge rusher class. Uh, at the start of this whole process, we kind of said that this was a weaker edge rusher class. It, it's starting to turn into a very underrated edge class, um, and edge is always, obviously always a position of need for NFL teams. All right, uh, let's move on to pick number 23. Terrence, Terrace Marshall, the wide receiver out of LSU, going to the New York Jets. Yes, so this is my pick, and I had the Jets picking Zach Wilson earlier, and it's just to get him weapons. I mean, I, I believe the Jets go after offensive linemen in free agency. They have a bunch of money to spend. So I feel like they don't even waste time drafting some. I just think they just go all in and – pay them so I think you just got to get them weapons 
Um, I mean, I guess you could go defense here because of Robert Sala, and, you know, he's a very big defensive guy. But when you look at it, you have a brand-new quarterback, young. You just need to get him any weapon that you possibly can. And Terrence Marshall, you know, he'd be a good fit for the Jets. Yeah, I agree. Terrence Marshall's just a solid player. He was definitely um, part of that championship team in LSU. Um, New York, they already got a new quarterback, so you might as well just try and go ahead and give him the next best weapon that's available. And even if they keep Sam Darnold, a weapon's just a need in general when you're this down um, in, as a team. Yeah, you, I mean, you have Denzel Mims, Jameson Crowder, and you add Terrence Marshall. That's a pretty decent receiving core overall, so... Um, moving on to pick number 23, Travis Etienne, the Clemson running back, going to the Steelers. It's you, Ryan. Um, is it me? Yeah, I think it is. Your, no, well, I don't I don't think it's Ryan because it's a running back. Um, no, it's Ryan. I don't know. This I could be my No, this is me. This is me. I remember. You know, in the next mock draft, I'm going to write down everyone who had everyone's pick. So, so we don't have to do this between picks. Regardless, um, we did. I we spent a lot of time putting this mock draft together. If you are new and you're watching this, please do us a favor and do all you can to support us. Um, I'll remind you just again. Um, so I had ETN going to the Steelers. I just think that there wasn't a player on the board here that I wanted to take. You know, on the offensive line or on the defensive side of the ball. So I just figured. Just get the best playmaker you can. They obviously don't need wide receiver help. And if you're not going to take a quarterback, which we we have Sam Donald being traded there to the Steelers, just a quick reminder. You had a guy who is a smaller back, but he, he operates well in space. He's a quicker running back. He's a finesse running back. Um, and the Steelers' offensive line, you know, once they all get back together, all healthy, they can go back to the more dominant play that they were having earlier in the season before they sort of flamed out. It's kind of yeah. interesting. It's Sorry to cut you off. It's kind of interesting that we have these two teams, the Cardinals and the Steelers, taking running backs that kind of flamed out towards the end of the season. I don't yeah. know if there's a correlation there, but, you know. He kind of reminds me of, like, Le'Veon Bell. I mean, Le'Veon Bell is more of a finesse. I mean, Le'Veon Bell, I think, is a little bit bigger than him. But if you really think about how they used him at his prime, you know, he was a finesse, like, out of the backfield running back. And I feel like Travis Etienne will kind of just go right into that spot. Like, I feel like that's what they're going to try to do. And I believe Connor is a free agent. So they don't have to resign him if they do draft Travis Etienne or they could sign him and still draft him. But just to throw that out there, but I like this pick. I mean, they don't, their defense, their defense is good. I mean, their offense line is good and they have Sam Darnold, and in our mock, they have Sam Darnold. So this is this is the best player available for them. Yeah, I agree with both you guys. I'm just gonna make this one really quick. But Travis Etienne, to me, because of how well he was, uh, how well he played, being part of Clemson's passing games, especially for Trevor Lawrence, um, I think this is a really good fit for him under the Steelers' offense with Ben Roethlisberger. And also, they just need the running back core to be better anyway. And. Another thing before, sorry, you know, I'm, we're we're, tra- we're obviously trying to speed this up because it's a lengthy podcast, but Clemson's offensive line, it's not like they're the great, like they're not LSU or Alabama's offensive line. It's a pretty average offensive line when you look at it as a whole. 
and he's going to a team with another average offensive line, and he obviously succeeded in college, he'll do the same in the pros for you. All right, let's move on. Pick number 25, Tevin Jenkins, Oklahoma State tackle, going to the Jacksonville Jaguars here. Now, this I'm pretty sure was my pick. Actually, yes, I do remember. Um, yeah, Trevin Jenkins, he's basically the next offensive line that was available based on our mock draft and the prior selections. And when you already have Trevor Lawrence being your number one overall draft pick, if there's one thing you've learned from Cincinnati is you better make sure you, you know, you protect your guy. So Trevin Jenkins, best available. Um, he was he was a solid offensive lineman there, there in Oklahoma State. In fact, I believe last year the running back led the country in rushing yards. So for him to be part of that unit, who had a leader in rushing yards in the NCAA, which is really hard because it's not 32 running backs, it's like 130 something running backs. So that it was, it just made sense. Yeah, and Jacksonville's line wasn't terrible, as you saw. James Robinson came out of nowhere, thousand yard year, but they could always get better, and they weren't the best. So yeah, this, I mean, you sure up a you know run game and you have the number one pick in Trevor Lawrence so you protect him and it's best of both of um, of both worlds and I think that the Jaguars probably spend some big money in free agency they're they either have the most cap space or the second most cap space in the NFL um and I think that they go out they spend money on a number one receiver whether that's Corey Davis Juju Smith-Schuster um that is to be determined I think one of the you know one of these big name receivers are a possibility to, and you know, the Jacksonville Jaguars, you bring in Trevor Lawrence, urban Meyer, you sign some wide receivers, offensive line, you, you know, the Jaguars, you know, they're a sleeper team next year uh, to make the postseason, especially in that division that has Wentz, who's, you know, Carson Wentz, who we're kind of unsure of if he's going to be a good quarterback next year, Deshaun's not going to be playing for the Texans. Um, and the Tennessee Titans, who in all reality, I don't think anybody views them as a serious contender. So, hey, Dark Horse seem to make the playoffs here um, if they everything comes together this offseason. So let's move on to pick number 26, the Alabama defensive tackle, Christian Barmore, going to the Cleveland Browns. If, if I'm not mistaken, this was my pick? No, it's my This is your pick, okay. I remember me advocating for this, I think, though. I think I really wanted this to happen. So, I was just, when we were doing this, I was looking at the best available players, and it was it was him, but at the same time, the Browns don't have that many needs. I mean, when you look, their offensive line was, like, one of, if not the best, so they don't need line. You know, they don't need running backs. They don't, obviously, no quarterback. Their defense when healthy, I mean, all their corners were hurt and their safeties were hurt, you know, and I just think Christian Bearmore is just the best player for them that can just be a plug-and-play guy. Like, he will make a difference. He will probably start day one, and it just – it makes the Browns better. Like, this pick will make the Browns better. Yeah, I, I agree. I think Christian Bearmore is definitely one of the more talented defensive tackles, and really I think this is the first time a defensive tackle – has been drafted based on our mock draft picks. So Cleveland's getting a solid guy here in the first round. And to complement that with Miles Garrett would be great success defensively, especially when you're playing against Lamar Jackson and Ben Roethlisberger and uh, Joe Burrow twice a year. Yeah, you think about the running backs in that division, Joe Mixon, Travis Etienne slash James Conner, 
potentially. And then you have Mark Ingram and who'd they draft? Who'd the Ravens draft last year? Um, J.K. Dobbins. J.K. Dobbins, yeah. And Lamar Jackson. I mean, I know he's not a running back, but he, he runs the ball like one. Um, I don't think Ingram's in Baltimore anymore. I think he's a free agent. That's true. Yeah, I think you're right. Um, either way, J.K. Dobbins, who's an upgrade over Mark Ingram, so, and, and Lamar Jackson. Um, Baltimore's the best defensive tackle in this class, which could push him higher up the board to a defensive tackle needy class. There's not a lot of defensive tackles uh, via free agency, um, and this is such a weak defensive tackle class. He's clear-cut the best one. Baltimore could end up being a top 15 pick to a defensive tackle needy cl- uh, team, so... Let's move on to pick number 27, the Baltimore Ravens taking Joseph Asai, the edge rusher, out of Texas. Um, I am a big Joseph Osai guy. This was my pick, I, must, I, I believe. Um, it, I, it would be a crime if he fell this far to pick number 27. Um, and for the Ravens, who desperately need edge rusher help, Yannick Ngakwe is a free agent, as well as um, the other edge rusher. His name always escapes me. Uh, well, either way, Bell. who uh, what? was it? Cam? Jacksonville. I can't remember. They got I, both edge rushers out of Jacksonville. I know that, and they're both free agents. I believe you're not going to be able to pay both of them. Um, Nick uh, actually has them getting a certain edge rusher in free agency. Uh, I'll leave that name unspoken. But, you know, you bring in Joseph Asai. He's one of these hybrid guys that could play, uh, you know, off-ball outside linebacker in a 3-4, or he could put his hand in the dirt uh, and play 4-3 defensive end. So he is a do-it-all edge player that can work in any system you put him in, which is why I'm so high on him. And for the Ravens, who really like these hybrid edge rushers, they like to draft him and develop him. Osai, if he lands with the Ravens, I do believe he will be – one of the best edge rushers in the NFL day one. Yeah, I I don't their edge rushers honestly watching them play last year, they weren't wrecking havoc to say the least. Like they really weren't like they were getting pressure and it's not like they weren't good, but you can never have too many of them. And it seems like, you know, Ngakwe is probably gonna leave because he's gonna be asking for like top edge rusher money. I believe the other one is Matt Judon. I think they franchise tagged him last year. I don't think they do it again because then he would have to be paid. Oh, like no. So that's, you know, those are their two, you know, starters. So I, this is just a fit. It's a need. And yeah, I like it. Yeah, I like the pick too. Joseph Asai is, you know, one of the better edge players in this draft class. And Baltimore is all about having a solid front seven and a solid defense in general. And he's really the next best guy defensively. All right, let's move on. Pick number 28. Mac Jones, the quarterback out of Alabama, finally coming off the board. You see a picture of him throwing from the cleanest pocket in the world. Um, probably throwing a touchdown to Devontae Smith here. Going to the New Orleans Saints. Yeah, I believe this was my pick. And, uh, if, if Mac Jones didn't get drafted here, he wasn't going to be a first-round player, and we know the other teams from 29 to 32 
Um, they, they got no plans of getting a new quarterback. Mac Jones, to me, is really is a really polished guy. Um, he, he really does make some throws. He knows how to make his reads. He's, you know, being under Nick Saban's offense, which has changed quite a bit. And still for him to be a, you know, consistent player when offenses are changing annually in Alabama because they always have a new offensive coordinator um, kind of tells you something. Um, a, lot, a lot of people are kind of comparing him right now just to A.J. McCarron because he's also a former Alabama quarterback that was untouched having all the weapons he had in the offensive line that protected him for so many years there. But I think Mac Jones is a good fit with New Orleans just because Sean Payne's a really good coach. Um, he's not afraid to develop young quarterbacks. He's had James Winston there at backup. He had Drew Brees when he came off injury um, playing for San Diego. He, he's not afraid to flip quarterbacks. And I think Mac Jones is one of those guys where under a right system, you can flip. Yeah, the Saints right now are in cap hell. They are. So if they happen to lose Jameis, you know, you need a quarterback. And Mac Jones coming in to weapons like Michael Thomas and Alvin Kamara, I mean, it wouldn't be a bad idea. And he's going from one of the most respected best coaches in college to one of the best, most respected coaches in, in, in the NFL. And you know, it could be a smooth transition for him, and I I like the fit. I think, like, if he actually got to play here, it, it I think he could do good. I, I think this is this might be the only way that the Saints could get a quarterback because I they're in cap hell, like you said, and I don't know if they're going to have the money to re-sign Jameis Winston. Um, you know, Mac Jones is a very interesting prospect. I'm not as high on him as – a lot of the media and the national draft analysts are. Um, I think that when you look at a guy like Tua, when in comparison to Mac Jones, they both had probably zero pressures on the year and they had the Heisman winning receiver. Like your level of competition, your level of play around you really, really matter. You know, you look at the NFL, you, we saw Case Keenum lead the Saints or lead the the Vikings to a playoff win and he was in the MVP conversation and he is now the backup for uh, I think the Browns like the level of talent around you really really matters and there's a case to be made that Mac Jones was a one hit wonder he doesn't have a strong arm um, I'm just not as high on people as Mac um, on Mac Jones that as other people um, but if there is one team that he would succeed uh, and in the NFL, it would be the New Orleans Saints. Move on to pick number 29, Rondell Moore, the wide receiver out of Purdue, going to the Green Bay Packers. This is a no, uh, a, um, a no-brainer. They should have picked a wide receiver last year, but for some reason they picked quarterback. I, I don't know. Even if they sign someone in free agency, it doesn't matter. They still need to go wide, wide out. I don't care what anyone says – their number twos are not that great. They always – you could always count on Devontae Adams to make the plays, but the, their number twos would always have a crucial drop. Alan Lazard, Gandling, like they would always have a drop, like a crucial drop, crucial – just some play in the game that kind of shifted it. Like, And so 
Aaron Rodgers really couldn't rely on them, and I just feel like Rondell Moore will come in. He's will be their second best um, um, a receiver out there. Maybe they sign someone else, and now they got a top. Now they got a you know a um a big three. And, like there's nothing else to say. Like Aaron Rodgers showed he's not going anywhere. He looked last year was probably one of his best years he's ever had. So it, he's not going nowhere. Then they need to get they need to get him help. Yeah, and I think that this pick is really determined what wide receiver they go, depending on who they go with in free agency. If they go and get a guy like T.Y. Hilton in free agency, then I expect a, more of a gadget, speedy guy like Rondell Moore that you could give the ball to on screens and end arounds uh, to come in and be your third. If they get like Curtis Samuel, then I think this pick changes to like an Elijah Moore or uh, maybe Terrence Marshall if he's on the board, right? More of a traditional wide receiver. Rondell Moore in my eyes, is a guy that's not getting enough love from the national media. He's so quick. And, you know, I mentioned him being a gadget guy. He's not just that. He's a really good route runner as well. He just didn't get the opportunity to really show it because he played at the University of Purdue. Yeah, I like Rondell Moore. He's a solid player. He's the next best weapon available. And if there's any team that needs weapons, it's Green Bay. Pick number 30, uh, pick that I made I believe that Ashton was just blown away by for some reason uh, I have the Buffalo Bills getting the best linebacker in this class in my opinion Jeremiah Awosu Koromoa who is basically a nickel Sam guy who he basically played slot corner for the Fighting Irish um, he's unbelievable if there, there's a film breakdown there by, uh, by Brett Coleman on Jeremiah owosu Kormo. I encourage all of you to go watch it. I showed Nick it today. Ashton, after this, go watch that video. I will send you the link. It is basic. It's the best film breakdown I've seen of Jeremiah owosu Koromoa. I am convinced that he is the best linebacker in the class. Um, he, Although he's a little undersized, he's a great tackler in the run game, so you don't have to worry about that. And he covers guys like a slot corner. So... You can run a lot more base defense. You don't have to put an extra corner on the field because he can get the job done that way. Yeah, and the term undersized is really getting thrown away. I mean, you got Devin White. Patrick Queen got drafted in the first round uh, last year. Uh, uh, who else? Uh, Darius Leonard, I don't think he's very big either, and he's one of the best to play. I, I just think the term undersized is really getting thrown – is just getting thrown out because you're seeing you're seeing all these safeties that are like five nine five you got like Buddha Baker playing in the box now. You know, Buddha Baker's like five ten. Like so I don't think he's undersized. I think he's just an athlete. He's a hard hitter. He's got a nose for the ball. He's he's really good. <laughs> well I mean I definitely like Jeremiah Owusu. Um I think he is again one of the better linebackers in the draft class. Um, I, I expect Buffalo, in my opinion, though, to go heavier, especially since they failed to get J.J. Watt. I really think when it comes to the run game, I think their D-line needs more support, especially at um, edge and defensive tackle. Um, there were there was a linebacker that I did like out of, I believe it was Tulsa. He was six foot four. Um, I think he's like 200 and... Zayvon Collins, yeah. Zayvon Collins. <clears throat> Trust, me. Size, Trust me, Ashton. That, size, that, that, that kind of size 
and, and body mass, I think Buffalo will kind of go for more with their draft pick, especially since their weakest um, aspect of the team, in my opinion, is their defensive run game. You know what, Ashton, in the next mock draft we make, you can make that pick because, <clears throat> excuse me, the water went down the wrong pipe. Um, <laughs> JOK will not be on the board at pick 30, I promise you that. So you can go Zayvon Collins in the next draft. Moving on to pick number 30. Oh, I hate when it does that. There it goes. Uh, the Chiefs taken Jalen Mayfield to tackle out of Michigan. Uh, I don't remember who had this pick. I think it's my pick. Yeah, I think so, too. Um, I, I went to Kansas City's biggest need, and that's offensive line. We saw how in the Super Bowl, their offensive line being made up of, you know, low draft picks, free agent, off the practice squad. They don't want to go through that process again. And, and they really feel like, have the O-line been healthy? Have it been solid? Had all their starters stayed? They pretty much could have beaten the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and I, I don't—I wouldn't say necessarily it's true, but they would definitely have not lost thirty-one to nine. They would definitely scored some touchdowns had the offensive line been better. So uh, even if they have all their offensive line returning, Jalen Mayfield is just a must-have pick for Kansas City because he's the next best offensive line based on our prior mock draft picks, and just you got <clears throat> your five hundred million dollar quarterback. Yeah. So the thing about Jalen Mayfield is that he is shorter than a traditional offensive tackle and a lot of people actually have him mocked to the Arizona Cardinals at pick 16 because of that to help you know Kyler Murray's obviously smaller and he's a smaller tackle helps Kyler Murray see over him uh if Mayfield falls to pick 31 he could also play because of how undersized he is his arm length is good enough to be a tackle don't get me wrong I know that's a big thing that scouts worry about arm length for your offensive tackle if he falls to 31 and the Chiefs pick him he could slide into guard if you're confident that both of your tackles can come off of their injuries and play healthy, right? If they end up getting hurt again, Mayfield can slide out to offensive tackle and that you're not going to skip a beat. So, Yeah, I, I like this pick. I mean, and honestly, if you trust him, you could probably move off of one of your tackles to save cap. I mean, you got to think about the, the cap the cap. <laughs> might be in eventually in the next coming years because Mahomes contract will kind of finally kick in. So he might be a cheaper a cheaper option, but like um uh, Ryan said you can kick him into guard. I mean, yeah, they just they needed online um o-line depth really bad and it showed. All right, let's move on to the final pick in the NFL draft. Nick Romero is on the clock with the Tampa Bay Bucks. Yeah, there's nothing else to it. They <clears throat> many edge rushers, um, and especially since we don't know what's gonna happen with Shaq with um with Shaq Barrett. I don't know about JPP. I don't know how long his contract is. I think he's still on the team. Like I don't think he's a free agent, but they can I mean, cut him. Can yeah, but I will. Yeah, I mean, you never know what Shaq Barrett. They could franchise tag him again, sign him. I don't know, but <clears throat> you just never have too many edge help and Todd Bowles loves to blitz Todd Bowles loves yeah I mean there's just nothing like I don't there was no one on the board that they really needed their line is fine if a running back slipped yeah I could see them maybe drafting like ETN or Najee Harris if one of them happened to slip this far but besides that I think I think they're fine Uh, this is this is probably their biggest need yeah IRL you could definitely see ETN or Najee Harris falling here 
Jalen Phillips, um, so the story on him, why he is in a UCLA uniform here, um, he transferred from UCLA to Miami probably to, uh, you know, because he, he actually retired from football because he has concussion issues. And as you know, the 32nd overall pick, the Super Bowl contender, it's usually like a luxury pick. Um, a lot of teams go running back here, basically just take a luxury, you know, maybe wide receiver. You could bank on that high upside here with Jalen Phillips. Um, and if for some reason he does not work out and he may be like forced to retire again from football, which is what happened, you know, he has concussion issues. Um, you know, when he's on the field, he, he would be the number one edge rusher in this class, hands down, if he was on the field. Um, he just, if he stays healthy, um, like he did at UCLA, you know, he, so it, it's such a weird timeline. He transfers and then he sits out because of COVID. So we haven't seen him play football in a very long time. Um, but here, you know, if you bank on the upside and he's your number one edge, I'm not going to spite you for it. Yeah, I, I like this pick as well um just because Jalen phillips he was one of the leading defensive players for the university of miami um and again this is a super bowl winning team so they're really trying to just make sure that wherever they do think they're gonna have holes this offseason they can just fill it real quick um here paul he's yet to say if he plans on leaving or retiring stuff like that shaq barrett's definitely kind of a bit of a toss-up just because he's a more talented player and you might have to pay him but Tembe, I think they're going to get everything situated. And I think Jalen Phillips under tall balls defense would be perfect. Yeah, it definitely fits the scheme. All right, ladies and gentlemen, I know this was a longer podcast, but we did add a new person to the podcast. So we kind of wanted to have a big funnel introduction with Nick. Um, and unless you guys have anything else to add, I'm going to call it here um, for the stampede. No, I'm good. All right. Uh, with that, ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for listening to The Stampede uh, with my colleagues Nick Romero and Ashton Yanez. We'll see you guys next time. Please do all you can to support us.